Welcome to Real Life at the Ridge, the preaching ministry of Chestnut Ridge Church. It is good to be with y'all. I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. I want to set the stage tonight for what I believe is going to be a very encouraging message Sunday. We're going to keep this title for just a little while. And the title is simply this, For Such a Time as This. For Such a Time as This. Uh, Those are words that are uh, written in God's Word uh, in Ruth, and I believe that God has each of us throughout the time that people have been on the face of this earth, I believe God has had us here at a special time for a special purpose, no matter when you have lived, when people have lived on the face of this earth. In other words, Elijah was there during that time for such a time as it was that he was living in. I believe that Jesus came just at the right time, just as the Bible says he came just at the right time. I believe that uh, Martin Luther was on this earth at the time he needed to be here, and God used him. He nailed the 99th Thesis up on the wall of the Roman Catholic Church. The Reformation was going on. Then, and I think all of those people throughout history have been there for just that time. I think that Dale Thornburg was here in this community for just the time that God wanted him to be here. December 16th, 1956, Chestnut Ridge started. And he was here for a period of time, and I believe it was just what God wanted. I believe that Mitchell Pruitt was here for just the time that God wanted him to be here. And I have to believe that God does the same thing in my life, and he does the same thing in your life. And if there's one thing's for sure, and all of us can attest to this, life do change, don't it? I'm telling you right now, what we have need of today might change tomorrow. You know, I know, uh, Thought there was a time in my life when toys were going to be gone from the house. Now there's more toys at the house. We actually have a room. Not that we have a bunch of rooms. We just got this room, and that's where all the toys are. And then there's some that's hidden in crates and boxes and under beds and everywhere else, you know. And But <clears throat> nothing has escaped God. God is... You, you weren't born, and then God goes, 
Well, let me find something for him to do or find something for her to do. That, that, it don't roll like that. Where, where you are right now, God knows. He, he knows every situation in your life. But I want you to understand, this is the thing I want to, I want to start driving home for us and for me. Is that God didn't just have God doesn't just have me here for no reason. If God has me here at this very moment, and He knows everything that's going on in my life, God has a purpose for me, and that purpose fits into this time in my life perfectly. I don't see that in my mind. I mean, I'm sitting here looking, and I'm going. Man, God, if, if you want to use me, you need to fix this and straighten this out and you need to change this in me. But God works not... My circumstances don't hinder God. And, and it doesn't hinder you when it comes to God's plan for your life either because our God is he's, he's sovereign, He's Lord over that. So what I want to do is I'm going to read several verses of Scripture. Uh, I'm going to read a good many support scriptures, but I want to just kind of take and I want us to go look look at our uh, redemption in Christ and then kind of let this kick us off with that thought for such a time as this. So in Colossians chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 1 through 23, and then we'll go back up and we're going to just look at verses 20 through 23 for, for a few moments. So in Colossians chapter 1 verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle, of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, we give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and our love and your love for all the saints, because of the hope which you is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it has also in all the world, and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. As you also learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being faithful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things consist, or all things are held together. And He is the head of the body, the church. 
who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, Yet now he is now ha, he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Father, Take your word, use it for your glory tonight in us, in Christ's name, amen. Um, when he starts sharing here, you kind of pick up on some words that give you the idea that Paul is sending a letter to a group of people that he don't really, he's never really met face to face. He's heard about them. He said, since I heard and since we were told by this person, and, and, and even as we go along and we get to Sunday, you're going to find out, he can't wait to see them. I mean, he, he, I, I can't. I hope to get to meet you one day. I've prayed for you. I, I, I love you. Um, and and th these are some things that I may share over the next coming weeks. But you know, it's amazing in the day and time that we live in, and the the whole online stuff, and since COVID, and probably even pre-COVID, but but at least since the COVID stuff and went online. There's, there's folks out there as, that actually will comment on something on social media that I've, I've posted, and I don't even know who these people are. But they've been, they know me more than I know them. And it's just interesting, but, I, but I've, I've, I've kind of adopted them in my heart. You know, I mean, it's like I know their name, now I know their face because of the profile picture. I'm not like, uh, what do you call it when you stalk somebody? What's it called? Creeping, stalking, or whatever. Anyhow, I ain't like stalking them. I ain't got time to stalk them. But I'm just saying they, they're following along, and, and it's like, you know, they'll comment on something on my personal page, and I'm going, I'm like, hey, I, like you know me. I'd be like me going down to Charles Stanley's church and going, hey, dude, what's up, man? You remember that thing I quoted on? I mean, commented on Facebook. He'd be like, who in the world are you, dude? I don't even. But here's what's amazing. You don't even have to see somebody face to face to have a kinship with them, especially in Christ. And that's how Paul feels about them. And this is something that Tony Green helped get, uh, he verbalized what was on my heart. And this is actually kind of somewhat our theme going into Easter. I say theme, but our, uh, something you're going to see a good bit going into Easter. I was trying to explain to him, man, during this time, my heart has broken. I know other pastors' hearts have been breaking too. I know other people's hearts have been breaking, but I was sitting there trying to convey it, and he said, dude, he said, they can see you, but you can't see them. And I said, that's it right there. I said, they get to see me. I say they, everybody that doesn't get to come. And whether you come or don't come, that's... There's no, I'm not judging that. But this mess that we're in has shaken up more things than people realize. And so for me, I don't get to see everybody's face 
if we're lucky, we get to see 50% of people's faces and all, but they get to see me. And I'm really, I'm praying, my prayer is that Easter, even if we got a service or two outside or whatever we got to do, Easter, I'll, it would be so awesome to see everybody come home. If nothing else, but just one time. And we spread out and do whatever we got to do. But, um, but I get the heart of the Apostle Paul. He's, he's like, I've heard about you. I've heard about your faithfulness. And all these folks are telling us about you, about, about you and, and, and it's just growing. And, and he says he wants to commend them to walk worthy. And that's not an uncommon thing to be commending somebody to do from Scripture. But Paul says, walk worthy of the price that's been paid. And that's something we got to encourage folks to do. Then he starts talking about the fact that we've been trans, transported, really. We've been conveyed. It's like taking something, put it on a conveyor belt, and it goes down through to another part of the uh, a plant or another room or somewhere. He says, we have been conveyed from the darkness to the light. So we're, we're not in the darkness no more. You say, I, I still do evil deeds. I still do sin or struggle with things at times, yes. But you're not under the bondage of that anymore. You have freedom in that. And we'll get into that more Sunday. But we've been conveyed to the kingdom of His Son, His love. And so then He, he starts making that transition and talking about what we have in Christ Jesus. And then we hit verse 19. Let's just take 19 and then land in 20. For it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell, and by Him to reconcile all things to Himself, by Him whether things on the earth, things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. That the whole idea that we have been reconciled, we have been brought into a right relationship there's an extreme there that we need to actually take. It's not, I don't think it's out of context. You and I were aliens. If you are a Christian today, before you became a Christian, before God saved you, you were an alien. You were alienated from, from Him. You were separated from Him. As a matter of fact, I, and I'm just going to do it, like I said, I'm going to do a good bit of reading uh, of some proof text. Listen again to a couple of scriptures here. Ephesians chapter 2, And you He made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desire of our flesh, and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. And then, but God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. By grace you've been saved. Raised us up together. So we, we go from being dead in our trespasses, we go from being aliens to now being children of God. And we're going to look at that a little bit more, but don't take, take this all into consideration when I under that whole heading that I give you. For such a time as this... God knew the day that I would be saved. He knew the day that you would be saved. And if you're not saved in here tonight or, you, or online, you're not saved. If you're going to be saved, God knows the day that you're going to be saved. He knows that. Why, why is that important? Because if you're saved today, if I'm saved today, this day is a day that God gave you. This is a day that God gave me. 
And for this very day, God appointed me and he appointed you. So every day of our lives that we live, you've got to live it for such a time as this. You say the world's waxing worse and worse. It may be. So what? You and I are responsible for us today before God. Don't forget, he not only appointed you this day, he redeemed you for this day. You were worthless to him. Get that. I know that's strong language, but think about it. And I say worthless. He was, gonna, he was getting glory out of your unrighteousness by him being right and you being wrong and him declaring that you were wrong. He gets glory out of that. When he's right, you're wrong, he gets glory. You say, is he glorified in the fact that I'm unrighteous in the sense that he's proven that he is God and that he's right? Yes, he has been glorified in that. I don't think he wants us to be that way. I don't think he... He, he, he doesn't take pleasure in the death of the wicked. I don't think he takes pleasure in me being unrighteous. But at the end of the day, you've got to understand that God is supreme. God is over it all. And so when we think about this, you get it all wrapped around your head that you did not show up today reporting for duty going, God, here I am. I'm just going to bless your socks off. God, I, I'm here today, and you, you better be glad that I'm on the job. I reported for duty today. No. You better be glad that he saved you. You ought to be thankful, and I ought to be thankful that he chose to save us through the cross of Jesus Christ. And now we report to duty going, God, I am so thankful to be able to serve you today. That attitude. So you've got to first understand that we were, we were separated from him. As a matter of fact, not just enemies of God, hostile enemies of God. A lot of people, don't, we don't get our minds wrapped around that, but just any kind of sin doesn't mean that if you're down at the nudie bar or you're smoking dope or you're doing whatever, if you stole a pencil, you're a hostile enemy of God. Why? Because the Bible says that thieves and adulterers and all these others will not find their place in the kingdom. Why? Because sin is repulsive to God. I'm talking about all the way down to the little things that we categorize and we go, oh, well, it wasn't really that bad. It wasn't like everybody else's. And we, we balance our lives going, well, mine ain't as bad as hers or mine is not as bad as his. But see, we use the wrong standard. It's his righteousness. It's his standard. See, he don't go, well, if you only lie twice in your lifetime, it'll be all right. No, 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 no. Any lie, just one, you are a guilty, hostile enemy of a righteous God, and me too. And that's it. Guilty of one, you're guilty of it all. But see, we don't understand perfection. And he's perfect, is he not? He's righteous. He's holy. And so his standard has no... Well, it's just like I told you several weeks ago that he is the plumb line. He is the, the, the standard by which everything is gauged. He don't have an agenda. He don't have to have an agenda. He's right. And everybody else has the agendas. But he don't have an agenda. 
I may have an agenda. He don't have an agenda. You may have an agenda. He doesn't have an agenda. Somebody commented on Facebook from what I understand. I don't follow. I don't. I, there again, I don't look through all the comments. But when I made that comment some weeks ago, somebody put, yeah, he does. And they put dollar signs right on out through there. And I'll clear that up. I hope they're listening. No, he don't have an agenda. He says that if you're a thief, he'll expose you. And he's going to deal with you. Because thieving, see, God, he could demand all back from us. He could say, everything that you have, I have given you. I want you to give it back. But that's not what he does. He said, I just want you to be faithful to give a portion. And if I so move upon your heart, you be faithful to do whatever I tell you to do. He said, and if you'll trust me, you come and you will, you, you will try me. He said, I promise you I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you can't contain. See, but that's a standard. That's not an agenda. You want an agenda? Fight God and see who wins. You fight God and see who wins. I can promise you in my own life, I can testify enough. You rob him, he will. I don't like the word karma. But let's just put it this way. You fight him, he won't have to lift one little finger and he'll change your life. And he'll break you down. Do it to me too. Can't outgive God? Can I get a witness? You can't outgive him. I tell you what, you can't fight him and win either. Why? Because he, he's immovable. He, he does not bend. He don't sway. If one inch plus, if, if this is the standard zero, and, and, and all, we look at it and we go, well, if, as long as I ain't no more than an inch this way or an inch that way. But God doesn't put tolerances in there. This is the standard. You say, well, how in the world are we supposed to live in this? It's called grace. And see, grace was merited at the cross. You see, Christ, and we're going to look at that in just a minute, but Christ paid the full price, the perfect price. So now that you and I, as we work it, walk in our lives and there's a talk, we're, we're like, I'm an inch off here, I'm two inches off there, or whatever. It's been paid for in Christ. Let's just let's walk a little bit more. John chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. John chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. Um, this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. See, that's who we are outside of Christ. That's what God is, is viewing. That is what God is pushing back away from him is that all those who are not in Christ, our deeds are evil. He wants, he's going to expose it with the light, but we don't want to come to the light. Why? Because if we come to the light, then we're going to see everything. It's kind of like when you get on up in age just a little bit, and you get up in front of that makeup mirror, and you go, man, dude, look at the lines. And you're stretching stuff, and you're going, look at the age spots. Look at all these things. Why don't we want that? We, we would rather live our lives not knowing that, wouldn't we? That is the human nature. 
within us. And you understand, if you get up under God's microscope, just how wrinkled and how filthy and how nasty we actually are. So Romans 1, I plugged this one in there. Romans chapter 1, let me just read verses 21 through 24. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves." So you, you get the whole picture. We, we were going away, away from God, and anybody right now that is lost is going further and further away from God. That doesn't mean that God can't reach them. God, God can reach them, no matter where there is. Nowhere you can get on the face of this planet. No hole you can go in deep, too deep. No sin you can get in that's too bad that God cannot pick you up out of it. But don't miss the fact that every single day of our lives outside of Christ, we're going further and further and further. And I'm just re-quoting something that I've said before, and you've probably heard plenty of preachers say, sin will take you further than you ever wanted to go, cost you more than ever you wanted to pay, and keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay. And we know this, don't we? Because it's good, ain't it? I mean, let's just be honest. You know? I, and I think the devil does it. The first drink of beer tasted like pee to me. But I'm telling you right now, after about five years in, it tasted like a ribeye. How did it change? I think it's a spiritual thing. I, I, and when I say spiritual, I'm not talking about spiritual good thing. I'm talking about spiritually wicked thing. I think the addictions that we are trapped into, guess what? It is demonic in its nature. And see, we want, this is what we want to do in our, in our, in our natural state. We want to call it a sickness, and we want to give people therapy. When what actually needs to happen is repentance. And nobody likes to hear that kind of stuff. Because when none of us want to hear we're wrong. Can I get a witness? None of us want to hear we're wrong. But listen, that's what we have. That, at the end of the day, do, I, do we sometimes need to have... Counseling, do we have other, all these other things? Yes, sure we do. It doesn't mean that somebody coming off of something doesn't need, uh, couldn't, couldn't use some help with some, some kind of step-down system when it comes to the addiction, the, you know, the nicotine, or maybe it's crack cocaine or whatever it is, and they got the things that help you step down off of it. But what I'm saying, at the end of the day, all of us have to be confronted with the fact that we're responsible. We are responsible. I heard John MacArthur, and I just, I'm just quoting him, but I agree with him 100%. Whatever happened to your, in your daddy's life, in your granddaddy's life, in your great-granddaddy's life, or great-grandma's life, or whatever, that ain't got nothing to do with you. You're responsible for you. And when we stand before God, we won't be able to say, well, I'm in the situation I'm in because my ancestors were mistreated. No, you're in the situation you're in because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You will stand before Him accountable one day. You don't get a pass. My daddy was an alcoholic. 
You, you, you with me? My daddy was an alcoholic, therefore I got to be an alcoholic. No, that is not true. That is a lie straight out of the pits of hell. We, have, we make decisions every day. R.C. Sproul said this. He does not like the word, um, uh, I made a mistake. He said, no, you made a choice. You make a cho- and I make choices. And I've made plenty of bad choices. Can I get a witness? I have made plenty of bad choices. I waited five years longer than I should have to refinance my house. And I paid the price for it. Thanks be unto God, we've got that taken care of now. But you know why? Because I made the choice. And I own it. I could have been paying less payments and getting further ahead for all them years. But I didn't. And now I made a different choice. And guess what? Now my payment's different. Now my interest is different. And I'm making more principal payment toward it now because I made a choice. If I pick up a, 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 a long neck bottle or if I get out here on this road and drive stupid or something like that, I'm making that choice. And we're responsible for our choices. And God is sitting here showing us that you and I don't get an escape. We don't get, you know, it's like, well, they did it. uh, They didn't know what they was doing. Oh, yes, we do. We're making choices every single day. We're responsible for them choices. And he said, if you're going to make them choices, I'll help you out a little bit. Because here's what we don't get sometimes. You say, well, why would God push me further away from him? No, 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 no. That's not what God's doing. Every single one of us are recipients of what's called common grace. Just common grace of life. I think it is, we live under the blessing of common, that's the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Common grace. Now granted, I don't know how much rain is grace and how much is too much because, but I'm not God. But we all going to have to buy us an inner tube or something here for long if it don't quit. I get that. But you got to understand that God gives every person on the face of this earth a merit of grace. And, and, and you say, explain that. Because if he didn't, every single one of us would be gone. Why? Because his wrath is stored up on the sons of disobedience. And so if, if he didn't give a measure of grace to everybody, we wouldn't even have a chance to live. Because the very first thing we did that was against his law, boom, we gone. So you have a day today, whether you're lost or whether you're saved, you have a day today because God gave you a day. If you're a lost person, online, in-house, you are breathing today because God did not pour his wrath out on you. You say, it sure feels like God poured his wrath out on me. No, no, no. That's another thing we got to understand. God's wrath is greater than what we really understand. Let's do this. So um, I'm going to hold that one. Let let me catch this one and hold on to that thought for just a moment. We got to be reconciled. So man's reconciliation through Christ, we must be made clean. So because there's kind of, it's almost like there's, Two sides to this thing. I've got to be clean to come to God, but God's wrath has got to be satisfied for me to be able to come to Him. So Romans chapter 8. 
I'll read a couple verses and like I say, we'll kind of tidy some things up and maybe. Romans chapter 8, verse 7 through 8. Because the carnal mind is at enmity or at war against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So there's no way for somebody who is lost to be pleasing to God. I couldn't please God before I was lost. And you look around and see, this is where a lot of things get muddy in the day that we live in. Because you see a lot of people who are doing good things. But does it glorify God? And is it the intent of it to glorify God? Or is the intent of it to glorify man? And, in, and here, here's where I, I've come to rest in my own heart. Anybody that's doing anything, they could say they're doing it selflessly. In other words, that they're not doing it for themselves. Well, who are you doing it for? Because see, the Christian who is living right before God and does something, we say all the glory goes to him, right? To God be the glory. That don't point, don't bring it to me, give it all back to him. And if you bring it this way, I'm just going to reflect it back to him, which is what we're supposed to do, right? But when somebody says, well, I'm doing it for this other person to help them, then that is not glorifying to God. When you and I do something a humanitarian effort, a benevolent effort. In other words, you buy somebody a cheeseburger for lunch, you're not doing it for them. Who are you doing it for? Come on, church. You're doing it for God. Granted, God is helping them through you, but you're not doing it for them. If you see, that's what, if, if we're going to give glory to God, right? He says, I will share my glory with how many people? Nobody. So it's either all for Him. And I'll just be honest with you. I've told you this before, and I don't mean this to be ugly, and I'm not trying to be sarcastic. I wouldn't love you if it wouldn't be for me loving Him. If He hadn't loved me first, I wouldn't be loving you. But I ain't really loving you. I'm loving you. For him to receive glory. In other words, I'm not loving you for you. I'm loving you for him. Does that make sense? Because it's a, there's, a, there's a fine line there, and if we're not careful, you say, that's just playing on words. No, it is not. That is Scripture. That I am to do everything I do, whether I'm at work, whether I'm in my relationship with my wife, whether I'm teaching my children. I mean, we just read this the other week. This, the very thing, that I'm to do all things that I do for them, for Him. Let everything you do in word or in deed be done for Him. But so often we do it, I'm loving my wife because I want to love my wife. And this is what I find out. I turn my wife into an idol. And I start worshiping her. When truthfully... I, I've messed up because I'm supposed to be worshiping Him. And I love my wife through the overflow of loving and worshiping Him. And you say, does it really matter? I think it matters in all ways. I think it matters. Why? Because then you don't have an agenda just like Jesus don't have an agenda. See, when I love her or as just loving. Like when I worship her, I've got an agenda. I guarantee you, 
<laughs> that if we could do a true analysis, at least 80% of the presents that were bought at Valentine's Day had an agenda behind them. Y'all all grown up in here, ain't you? You think I'm, am I crazy? I'm just going to let that one sink in a minute. The only reason I let that sink in is because that's who we are. That's not who God wants us to be, but that's who we are. That's why Christ had to die on the cross. Because we're wicked. We're separated from God, and the only way for us to be right with God is for God to reconcile us and Him back together. And you and I know good and well that a holy and a righteous God cannot be reconciled with a wicked man or a wicked woman on the efforts of the wicked person. You see, God is there. We're here. And God cannot, unless this, this right here, unless this person gets clean, He cannot reconcile. You ever had some things you couldn't do or places you couldn't go or somebody you couldn't be around because you go, I just cannot be around that. I don't, know, I don't think it's so much a cannot, God will not be around it. So um, he says, let the deeds of wickedness have no fellowship with the deeds of of righteousness, nor vice versa. So here, let's let's go back in here and 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 just um, I'm a Second Corinthians five seventeen, new creature in Christ, new creation. So then you got the wrath of God, and I want to go to a book that I'll be honest with you, I it's not like I get there a whole lot myself, and I think I've done no, there it is, Nahum. Uh, chapter 1, verses 2 through 3. It says, God is jealous and the Lord avenges. The Lord avenges and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on His adversaries and He reserves wrath for His enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. We've just heard this word recently, have we not? Acquittal. And I, I just want to throw a side note in there. You've seen some of the most two-faced stuff that you've ever seen. I'm just telling you. Do you know that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways? I'm glad that my God's not unstable. But anyhow, Jeremiah 10.10. 10. Jeremiah 10.10 10 says this. But the Lord is the true God. He is a living God and an everlasting King. And His wrath, at His wrath, the earth will tremble and the nations will not be able to endure His indignation. I just lay that down there because we're not playing when we talk about the fact that the wrath of God stands against the wicked. Then what does Christ do? Christ's death on the cross reconciled us back to God. So in that, let me throw a couple of other scriptures at you and i like I say, on time we're going to land, land a plane. Second uh, Corinthians. Can I just say that I'm thankful for God's grace? Second uh, Corinthians 5.21. For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God 
in Him, in Christ. And you know that the Bible teaches now that we are not going to be finished until we get there. So take a deep breath and take an take a, take a, uh, encouraging heart, my brothers and sisters. You go, there's no way that I can serve God because look at me. It's, com- it's, it's the complete opposite. You couldn't serve God without Christ because when God looks at you, He sees Christ if you're saved. He sees Christ and you're working. And, and, and the death that Christ died on the cross, the, the blood that He shed, now, now you are under not under law no more, but you're under grace. And as you're under grace, God's saying, do this, my child. And when He looks on us, and I want you to hear me, when He looks on us, He sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So He is exuberant. He is excited about the fact that Christ has finished that perfect work and He sees righteousness in you because of Christ. And so as you go, you say, I'll make a mistake here or there. No, you make choices. And if you make the wrong choice, you repent before God and you keep moving forward. You don't stop. You don't slow down. Why? Because this is a day that God has designed for you. He has saved you for this. He is equipping you for this. He, he, he is wanting to use you in a mighty way. And, and, and I'm going I'm to share this again, but I heard this last year in March, as a matter of fact. What if this is the last inning? I mean, honestly, what if this is the last inning? And he chose you to be on the roster. And me. I mean, I ain't no huge sport fans, fan, fan, but I do know what it's like when you start picking for kickball. Amen. <laughs> pick me, pick me. Don't, don't know, don't you? Do you up there and your buddies here? Do not pick him. Why? Because we want to win. Right? Don't, don't do it. And God picked you? God picked me? What was he thinking? If this is the last chapter, if those of us that are alive in here today are here for the last inning of the ball game, not only, listen, not only are you on the team, you're on the batting roster. Huh? You ain't sitting on the bench unless you chose to sit on the bench. No, he's got you in the lineup. He's got me in the lineup. You say, but God used me, but you're missing Christ. You're missing the Jesus in this thing. It's not you. It's him. You say, I don't have abilities. I'm telling you that God works with your inabilities. And your weaknesses, he's made strong. So it's all about him and what he does. I think that God wants to use my strengths, but I'm finding out more that God wants to use my weaknesses so that I'm not puffed up, but that I look, and I don't like looking, I'll just be honest with you, I don't like looking bad. I don't like looking like a sissy. I don't like looking like I'm weak. I don't like looking like I'm, I can't figure something out. I don't know about you, but I don't get a howl for that. I like being one who knows the answer to the questions. I like being able to show somebody that I'm good at something. 
But that's not what God's looking for. That's not what he's looking for. He is looking for his strength to be perfected in you, in your weaknesses. That you and me, we fall into him and rest in him. Just like Dale was telling you Sunday, that you're to abide in the vine. Why? He attached you to the vine for a reason, because apart from him, you can do nothing. You say, I can do all kind of things, preacher, but not for his glory. And what if it's not the things that he wants to be done? What if it's something else that God wants to do with you? Something farther, so far out of your imagination that you can't even fathom it. I know that this is not some mega church. I get that. But I walked through here during the day and I walked by a little room where Barbara's in there working, editing videos and posting stuff on Facebook, getting things ready for the next, putting things on all these platforms. So every time I walk by there, just about, I hear my voice. And I go, who in the world want to listen to me? God says, I chose you for this moment, this day, at this very hour to accomplish my will. And he's done the same thing for you. And if it's for nobody else, he's listening. He's listening. He's watching you. He knows what you're doing. And he wants to use you. And see, we get so wrapped up in the fact that everything that we're doing is to build our kingdom. It's his kingdom. I told somebody today, I said, sometimes I feel like I'm playing chess against myself. God wants me to be victorious, and here I am, and I could... Just relax and let him win the game. But I'm over here on the other side making moves. And I feel like I'm playing chess against myself. First Peter five, uh, five twenty. No, First Peter two. First Peter two verse twenty four. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live to righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. And as a matter of fact, let me just do this. His, his blood atones, but let me go back and read in our verses again. By him, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, that's Colossians 1.20, whether things on the earth or things in heaven, having made peace... Through the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated, there it is, you who once were alienated away from God and enemies in your mind by wicked works, 
Yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. That's what Christ did. He died, paid the price, and now he presents us to God. Holy and right. And the devil's whispering the whole time, you're nasty, you're wicked, God wants nothing to do with you. You can't serve him. He has no place for you. You don't have enough skills. You don't have enough talent. Look at you. Have you ever looked at yourself? And the whole time God's sitting there going, this is my beloved child. And the only reason he's saying that is because of the redemption that's bought through Christ. And Christ has made it right. He reconciled us to God. If indeed you continue in the faith grounded and steadfast and are, are, not, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, which I, Paul, became a minister. And so let me leave you with this, this thought. I talked with a preacher friend of mine today. We were talking about church life and the whole pandemic thing and bleeding on each other a little bit. And I told him, I said, not that everything's been done right here. And I'm taking the I'm putting that on my shoulders. I said, but I've 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 watched the consistency that God's allowed us to have as, as a church body for His glory, a consistency that He's allowed us to have, and it's in His Word. Because we have to be careful because, see, everything we have is to be brought back to His Word. We don't live our lives... In other words, God is not a good God today because I get emotionally stirred. Whether I get emotionally stirred or not, God's good, right? Right? And so everything I have in my life is not to be brought, and this is something we'll look at Sunday. I have to be careful when I think about trusting my heart. Just trust your heart. No, you better not trust your heart. You better trust this, because this is the pathway for this to get into here. That I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? Not by the renewing of your heart, by the renewing of your mind. And so we have to be careful. He's, he's not talking about just this seed of emotion. He is talking about the very inner being of us, our flesh. And so we have to be so careful. Why? Because my the traditions of men, where did they come from? Here, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth does speak, right? And sometimes I can be a hee-haw, and y'all can go home and figure that, that out for yourself. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth does speak. You want to know what where a man's treasure is? Right here. Right here. 
See, I can't trust this. It may be right, but it might not be right. And the only way that it's right is because this has gotten to it. Hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against God. Right? So how do we do that? I'm all for a lot of things, but everything must be grounded right here. Everything. If church attendance is high and this is grounded, good. Are we grounded in this? Good. If church attendance is high and we're not grounded in this, bad. If church attendance is low and we're grounded in this, good. If church attendance is high, I mean, if it's low and we're not grounded in this, bad. All that other stuff is just stuff. That's God's business. Same way in your life. Whatever's going on in your life is not regulating this. This regulates everything in your life. So my life, and y'all, I don't know if y'all remember my box. I still got it. And if you turn the box on the skinny end and you put my desires, my flesh, my feeling on, on, the, on the bottom, you can knock it over real easy. And from what you feel, you start creating values. And then from values, you'll create standards and doctrines that you live by. But if you flip that thing over to where the wide base is down, and your beliefs about this are on the bottom, then your values in life are created. In other words, my, this drives my flesh instead of my flesh driving my life. And you can beat on it and stomp on it and, and do all you want to, but it will not turn over. And this is why what makes the difference. When everything's upside down, you're the one that has to straighten the box up. You're the one that has to straighten the box up. But when we're on the right footing, we go, God, that person that's coming against me, they're yours, God. Lord, this issue that I've, I've, done, I've worked all week long and I've done my part, Lord. I've done everything I can do. I can't work no longer, God. The bill's there. It, I need you, God. It's His responsibility to keep it stable. You know, I took you at your word, God. I went and was faithful to do what you asked me to do. And see, here's the thing. Then when life looks weird, let's say you get, like Paul, you're thrown in jail for preaching the gospel. You say, oh, no, life turned upside down. No, 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 no. God's still in control. And you watch the life of the Apostle Paul, and you'll see that life's still in control. He's the one that unshackles them in the prisons. He is the one that frees their chains. He is the one that lets them bring glory to Him even in the midst. And when you, when you look at Jesus, you go, oh, look at His weakness. No, no, no. Look at what come out of it. You and I are here today because Christ hung on the cross. And you and I get to share the gospel so that others will come to Christ because Christ hung on the cross. And you were put here on this earth for such a time as this. Thank you for listening today. Pastor Greg wants to share with you how the gospel changed his life 
and how it can change yours too. You know, Tim, it was the gospel that saved me. I'll never forget when Ray Elder came into my life, uh, God put him there and he shared the truth of the gospel with me that I was a sinner, that Christ died for my sins, and that if I would accept him as the Lord of my life and follow him, that he would change my life. And that's exactly what he's done. I wonder if that's something that you would like to do today, that you would today before God just admit, you know, God, I'm a sinner, I'm lost, and I need you. And God, I believe that Christ died on the cross for me, and I want to accept his payment today for, for my sins, and I want to live for him from this point forward. If you pray that prayer today, we want to welcome you into the family of God. We also want to encourage you to contact us. You'll find a link below where you can reach us. And so we look forward to hearing from you. so much that he gave his son for us. Amen. God bless you guys.